one physician, 30 providers, overscheduled, no schedule, hall consults. Sure, I can make this closet a third audio suite. We've all been there. Even on our best days, there is simply a lot happening in any multi-specialty practice. So each week on Doc Talk, guests will share some of their most outrageous predicaments, creative solutions, and best advice that will help providers in every sort of multi-specialty environment improve themselves, patient care, and the people in business around them. Doc Talk invites you into the world of medical audiology, where we can learn the secrets, tips, and tricks of practicing with excellence in these busy clinics from the providers that make it all happen. Hi, Dr. Patricia Ramos here with the Network of Medical Audiology Professionals at the FCOM meeting. And right now I have Brent Lucas, who is the CEO of Envoy Medical. Uh, happy to have you here with us at the it's meeting. Good to be here. But tell me a little bit about what's happening in your business right now. So Envoy is um, in the process of designing and entering into clinical trials with our fully implanted cochlear implant, the Acclaim uh, cochlear implant, and we're excited about bringing that uh, forward in the clinical trials and hopefully get regulatory approval. So in that vein, why, why an implantable, totally implantable cochlear implant? What do you see as an advantage <coughs> of that? Yeah, the, I, there's a lot of advantages from quality of life, at least that's what we're hoping to prove through the, through the clinical trial. Um, without the externals, you have that true 24 hour a day, seven days a week hearing. Um, there's, there should be some advantages as well to using the ear as the microphone rather than having a, uh, an, an artificial microphone. Our first product, the Esteem, which is an active middle ear implant, we saw that uh, patients really enjoyed the quality of sound from using their ear as the microphone versus uh, an artificial microphone. Well, and I think in that population also, you know, once you get your hearing back in that kind of format, giving it up at any time of the day is, a, is difficult, right? Especially right. young parents and things of that sort. So from, you're talking about totally implantable, what kind of battery life do you expect in that? So that's one of the things that we'll be testing in the, um, in the clinical trial, but we'll have a battery pack that we hope is uh, several days between a charge. Um, up to a week and then eventually as battery technology gets better we should be able to increase that time. So it'll be a rechargeable battery um, and our device is designed where the battery will be in the thoracic region um, and you'll have a, a battery uh, not in the head but in the in the chest similar to some deep brain stimulation devices or some other therapies, uh, sleep apnea devices and eventually uh, as technology gets better, battery technology gets better, we'll shrink that down and and we'll see where it goes. But we, we decided to go that route with the, the device because we think it benefits the patient to be able to have sort of a once a week charge um, and hopefully that brings the quality of life that we're hoping for. Absolutely. So we had a very unusual eight, last 18 months, right, from the, from the standpoint of just in general from the pandemic, but what do you think or what do you see has really changed in your business during this time? Yeah, so I think in the hearing industry in general, is, it's a very interesting time um, with the over-the-counter legislation, some of the other discussions going on in DC. You see new entrants coming into the marketplace. Uh, it's, a, it's a very interesting time in hearing in general. 
Our, our business was impacted by COVID um, significantly from a vendor supplier issue. Uh, the, a lot of medical device companies were impacted, I think, by some of the other infrastructure around us uh, as we go through design. Um, so that, that was a little difficult. And then I would say the, uh, the other thing that has come to the industry and our patients and customers has been the desire for more remote programming ability. Um, just in general, I think so. Well, we were talking about that earlier about the telehealth. You yeah. know how it's been around for a, a long time, really. Right. Uh, but we we couldn't quite ever adopt it. it right. Either patient couldn't adopt it, or the provider couldn't adopt it. And I think that telehealth is here to stay for sure. Yeah, I agree. And I think the, one of the benefits of the pandemic was it really pushed things forward. I mean, grandmas and grandpas are facetiming with kids uh, across the country, getting more used to technology. Um, so I think it's, it's just been good in general. And you see the other um, uh, pr professions and other sort of provider subgroups also looking at remote. So it's not just going to be teleaudiology, you know, not just the hearing mm -hmm. industry pushing it forward, but everybody is, is moving that direction. So Brent, one thing that I think really had came about through the last 18 months too is because of the pandemic mm -hmm. and people wearing masks, yeah. obviously. Um, all of a sudden they realized that their hearing was not necessarily as good as they thought it was. Right, right. Um, and so how do you think that realization with all that's going on in the industry today can be a positive impact on, on patients? Yeah, I think the, you know, the, the, you can go look at the over-the-counter stuff, you can look at some of the new entrants into the marketplace, and, and you, some people can look at it and make arguments, is it good or bad for the industry? But I think one of the benefits of things like that where the mask, people not hearing as well. Um, you know, moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas are now discovering their hearing loss. Um, it just brings more people into the overall funnel, and I think that's a good thing for the industry. And hopefully, the industry is good stewards in in doing the right thing for those patients over time. Um, because I do think that as more and more people come in, that's going to just be more and more uh, people that we can help uh, in the long run, up and down the up and down the food chain, so to speak. Well, and hearing is kind of that that hidden issue, right? right? Things that people don't really want to talk about uh, sometimes, but it's so vital to life. Yeah. And I think that the pandemic really um, kind of brought that around too, because we were so isolated right. in right. a lot of ways. And telehealth really kind of brought that answer as well. Yep. And I, uh, um, our device, the, the first device, the esteem, the middle ear implant, um, we learned over time that just being able to connect people in bad times with their loved ones. We've had, some, I mean, anecdotes, but we've had some anecdotes about people entering, you know, their last years of life and being able to communicate with their nurse or communicate with their loved one is a really, really big deal. Um, and I think that's part of this pandemic as well, is, is really showing people that they have to be able to communicate, they have to be able to stay in touch. Absolutely. So. Here at FCOM, okay, mm -hmm. we, one of our goals is to really bring um, everyone together yeah. for, to learning from the same playbook, all the specialties that are involved in that patient journey. How do you think that could impact our patient care as we move forward? Yeah, I think bringing people together from different specialties are, um, is very important. These are my favorite kind of meetings to come to when there's not just surgeon or audiologist, when there's a, a combination. And it's even better at FCOM that you have um, other you know, sleep apnea companies and um, other things here as well that I don't normally get to interact with. Um, so not only am I able to 
uh, have meetings with surgeons and audiologists instead of just one. Um, I can also meet with some of my peers and, and have good conversations, talk about strategy, manufacturing issues, it, it, everything. So um, in terms of somebody like myself uh, having to decide how we're going to spend our resources, a meeting like this makes a lot more sense for us because we get to talk to more people. Plus, as we've sort of touched on, the, the idea that hearing is not just a audiological problem or a surgical problem. It is a care problem and a hearing health issue for everyone. So the more people you can bring, the more people you can educate, I think the better off everyone is. Absolutely. And one thing that we have really, uh, I've been focusing on, and I think in, in healthcare in general, you're starting to see a turn to where you've got now physician's assistants and you have nurse practitioners that are becoming that first entry point for a lot of patients. Um, and that I believe is not an area just like for that they have a lot of information on hearing. Right. Um, so I think that bringing them into that, that fold of understanding is, is vital for the patient. Yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's critical. I, it's amazing to me how few professionals, uh, you know, uh, healthcare professionals understand hearing loss. And the more people that can be brought under that tent, the better off we all are. And as we're seeing, there's a lot of connections between hearing loss or correlations between hearing loss and, and other uh, issues, health issues. And as that gets investigated, I think it makes more sense for a patient's entire care team to be educated on hearing loss. Well, and I think, you know, I've been in this field for quite a number of years at this point, and things that I used to talk to patients about uh, that just seemed like common sense yeah. are now coming to be very much proven, if right. not in a cause and effect, but in a correlative uh, uh, arena. So right. I think the comorbidity thing um, in, is super important, right? right? Because now you've got that whole care of the patient. Right, right. Yeah, and, in, and hearing loss, especially in the cochlear implant space, for adults in the U.S., penetration rates are very, very low, you know, single-digit penetration rates. And part of that, I think, is because there's not enough knowledge in um, primary care or other, other folks able to step in and, and tell people, you know, you probably need a cochlear implant or you need to get a hearing aid. Um, and until more people are aware of the situation and the benefits that can come from that, I don't know that uh, we're going to improve those penetration rates, which um, we should want to because the, if you address hearing loss, there's good arguments to be made that over time you'll save the entire healthcare industry money. Absolutely. Well, it's a pleasure having you with us. I hope mm -hmm. you'll come back next year. Well, of course. And uh, we will look forward to that. Yeah. It's and good just to see you. making great improvements next year. Yeah. Hopefully good, good uh, adjustments to talk about next year. Thank you very much. Thank you.